but throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Tuesday afternoon, just a couple days away from the draft. This is Coast to Coast, and we're going to bring you all the way through the first round here. What's going on, Ronan? Ready to talk some draft? Uh, absolutely. It's been it's been a while coming. I mean, we we have we've had a very long wait from the end of the season before uh, the off season kicks off with the uh, with the old draft. The whole what has it even been a week uh, since since the NFL or the NBA season ended, and now we're already. Already looking forward to, to next season and beyond, but it's exciting. A lot of a lot of great prospects in this draft, and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing them. No, well, listen, we are well practiced, well versed in talking about the next season well before the season has ended, as Knicks and Bulls fans here. So, <laughs> you know, this is we are primed and ready to go. I've, I've been ready to do this probably since March, but um, I think what we're gonna do here, we're gonna talk going from pick one. Well, and we'll, we'll see how, how far down we get. But, you know, we expected a lot of moves. We expected a very dynamic draft. And I, I still think that there, there are a lot of things that can happen on draft day. So many things swirling around right now. Um, recent news, obviously, being the Grizzlies, New Orleans Pelicans making a trade. Um, you still see that Bradley Beal still contemplating his future in uh, Washington. And that's something that has to go down before the draft. Um, but a lot of this is going to come down to the day of the draft, who's still available on the board, what what teams value who more than the other. And we'll, we'll see if we can uh, elucidate a little bit of that as we talk here. But no better place to start, like you say, than pick number one, which I don't think has changed much. Unfortunately, I, I, I think this would have been an interesting move, but I think we're all pretty much in agreement. The Detroit Pistons have basically made it clear that Kate is their guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any way you can really argue with it, especially when, for Detroit, where they're kind of in a position where not only are they looking to to get the cornerstone of of their franchise in, but they're also looking for a guy who's going to sell tickets from the moment yeah. they draft him. And in this draft, that's Kate Cunningham. He's the number one guy. We just announced today that that big deal he signed with Nike, uh, likely going to be the the biggest deal out of anyone in this draft class. And for Detroit, it's kind of it, it's a no-brainer. It, it they were I'm sure they actually were genuinely exploring the trade, possibly because there is a lot of talent. If they were a couple of places down, there's still a lot of talent on the board. But Kay Cunningham is the star turn here, and he's he's still that. He's been playing that basically for about a year now that we we've, we've expected him to be the number one draft, and I don't think it's changed. Now, what do you think about the? The recent rumor, and there's enough smoke, there's enough uh, verified reporters talking about it that, that I trust this, 
that the offer came from the Oklahoma City Thunder for the sixth pick, Shea Gilgis Alexander for Cade Cunningham. And that was declined. Mm. I mean, that, that surprised me for a couple of reasons. Number one, OKC, I mean, you drafted your guy. Shea, Shea has clearly demonstrated that he's going to be a future all-star. Um, I mean, he should have been an all-star last year. So it's like Mike Conley, glad he finally got on the team, but it should have been Shea. So we, we could be sitting here talking about a current all-star um, and the sixth pick who probably, you know, there's a few different names there, but you're still going to get a quality tier two guy. So it was, it was surprising to me that OKC would value Cade over Shea, who right now is nearing and is pretty much at all-star form and a sixth pick. I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I didn't value Cade to that level, um, but that, that shocked me. Yeah, that, that's that's certainly a, it was a surprise. I think we even discussed a similar sort of trade previously on, on the podcast. But I guess you kind of look to is that how highly they value Cade, or is that just them not really having much belief in in Shea to not just be the all star, but being able to take that next step to a guy who's going to lead a team to being perennial playoff uh, a perennial playoff team. It'd be I mean, when you got a bunch of 19 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was, it was that when I saw that, it was, a, it was a bit, I wasn't too shocked, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, when you're in Detroit's position, the fact that they've had some high draft picks, they've got a lot of young guys and they could, could have got a guy in like Shea, who's proven that he has got the talent to play in the league and they'd still have the six pick. It, it was it was a brave move, but I think in the long run it's gonna it's gonna come good for uh, for Detroit. Yeah, and and this is and gonna end up being one of those situations where don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. It's clearly the best player in the draft. It you'd say that around seventy percent of people would have him at number one on their draft board, probably around that. So you don't overthink it. You just take the best guy available and you figure out the rest. Um, if you're looking down the line and Cade Cunningham ends up being Jason Tatum 2.0, Jay Gilders Alexander's great. It's fantastic. But to have a guy at six foot eight be a lead ball handler, be an elite shooter off the dribble, already at 19 years old, I mean, you, you can't overthink that. And I think that's good in the Pistons. And for, for OKC, you know, I, I understand that. I mean, you, you have a bunch of young guys now, you continue this youth movement. And it's funny that, you know, it, it almost seems that Shea, he's coming up on his extension, his rookie extension, which is going to be considerable. He's going to be maxed out on that. And, you know, maybe they have like guys like Poku. They have, they have um, players on this team that they think could pop, but, you know, are going to need some time. And we'll, we'll see what they do here. But it signals to me for OKC, I know we're talking about the draft here, but this will be interesting to look at. But it, it signals to me that they – want to continue building for the future and that may mean keeping space and and maybe not investing in Shea if he's not necessarily the future like you're saying um but another team that has to think about that is the Rockets um sitting here at two and I think this is another another situation where it's an it's a no-brainer you you pick the guy who's been on your board you don't think twice about it and all the news have been leading towards Jalen Green None of, the, none of these funky trade downs or anything have really um, come up with the Rockets. And it's becoming pretty clear now that Jalen Green's their guy, and there's just no change with that. 
Yeah, that seems to be the way. But uh, for me, I think they should take they should go for for Evan Mobley. I think that's still that, with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm still I'm still with him. I think that's that's the the smart move because I think when we look back, I've seen a lot of a lot of people starting to discuss this, kind of like who who's going to end up being the best guy when we look back on this draft mm. in five years mm-hmm. or so, and you look at. Mobley's upside and just the little things like the presence he's going to have on defense mm. uh, the ability to block shots and just the, an instant impact he's going to have on winning compared to a guy like Jalen Green I think Mobley could turn out to be the biggest star coming out of this draft we'll see maybe in a year or two whether that how, how that's looking but on paper he is he is a super talented guy he's still got a lot of things to work on but Seven foot, only 19 years old. He is going to be a big impact player in this league. And if he develops a shot, he's going to be a scary talent. See, that's going to be interesting for me because I I think that the Rockets definitely, and there has been conversation connecting Mobley to the Rockets, obviously not as strong as it has been for Green. Um, but I, I absolutely agree. When you look at players in this draft, you can't name a guy who's going to have the two-way impact that Mobley absolutely can convince you right now that he'll have. I mean, talk about elite shot blocker. Talk about playmaker. He's going to be a good passer from day one. He's going to be a rim protector from day one. He's going to be able to shoot the shoot a face-up jumper from day one. And just with his touch, with his free throw shooting, all, all indicators show that he's going to be a good three-point shooter as long as he continues to develop. So you're talking about a real unicorn a guy that maybe they don't feel comfortable taking because they've already invested in wood. Um, but that would be interesting if they take him there. Cause then you have the calves calves are an interest, interesting segue here as they've been exploring ways to get off of Colin Sexton, well, not necessarily get off of, but I, I think for them, I, I've been resolved to the idea that they got to make the best use of their resources here. They have a guy in Garland, they have a guy in Sexton and they're, Nice right now, but if they want to get the most out of their young talent and the most out of what will be a top five pick here at three, is Jalen Green going to be the guy? Do you trade down? And that's that's where this is all going to come down to. Are they able to get off of Sexton? It doesn't seem like the trade market for Sexton has been as appealing as you'd hope. There hasn't been any other news besides what seemed to be the Cavs probing around last week. And after that, it died. It seemed like they, they didn't get the the value that they wanted back for a guy who's who's pushing towards an all-star level status. Um, what do you think the Cavs are going to do if Jalen Green's sitting there and Jalen Suggs and Mobley's off the board? What, what are the Cavs going to do there? I think they're just. I think they're going to take Green. I think they they won't put too much thought in it. I think they'd probably rather have uh, Mobley. I think. In their position, they'd probably be happier if Mobley is still on the board and, and the Rockets go with their uh, go with what's been rumored and they go with, with Jalen Green. But one guy I think they should consider is is Scotty Barnes. He's a guy yeah. I've gotten high yeah. on over the last while. And I think he could become a real talented player in this league. He's gotta he's gotta develop a shot, but the type of guy that he is, he's a guy that's gonna be able to guard the one through five. He's got serious foot speed. And he could definitely he could become that type of guy that can he's not gonna be the lead star on the team. He's not gonna be good, he's not gonna be great, but he can definitely be a really good player in this league and a really key contributor to a team 
to a team that's going to be looking to challenge at a higher level over, over the next over the next few years. I mean, offense is probably his weakness, but at the same time, for me, I'd always say it's harder to learn how to become a good defender than it is to to improve your offensive game, which is why I'm getting so high on Scotty Barnes. Scott, Scotty Barnes, I'm super high on him. I'm glad you mentioned him because I there's some guys in this draft that can really that's really gonna shock um shock us on draft night. I, I there's going to be a few guys, and I, I have my eyes on a few of them that are going to vault themselves up. Scotty Barnes has already done it. And I, I think this is the the Patrick Williams type um draft of this year. We already said it, they're both from uh Florida State. They both are on team systems that really emphasize their defensive roles and even more so for Barnes. I know he needs to develop that shot. He's very raw on that end of the floor. But how many other guys in this draft are going to play defense? Like you said, defending one through five, dynamic defense both off and on the ball, and will be able to rebound at the level that he rebounds and take it up the floor. His playmaking in the open court and even in the half court is so impressive to me. I think that people are really going to get to see, especially in summer league, wherever he gets drafted, the amount of playmaking that he can bring to a team. And, you know, I'm not going to be shocked if he vaults his way up into the top four. You know, he, in terms of fit, if the Cavs have looked around the league and they've decided, you know, Sexton is, we're not going to get, this is the best value that we have right now is with Sexton here. Because that, that's all that's all evaluation. I, I don't think that they have anything against sex and they've clearly demonstrated they've they've invested in those two. And that seems to have been good business just to look around. But if they're not going to get what they want from that trade and they can invest in in Sexland and then get Scotty Barnes. You know, you, you you can easily sell me on that. And then then what you have Jalen Green falling to four, if, if that's the case, that that situations like this is where, where things gets gets interesting if depending on how Cleveland feels about green. Um, but then you think about Toronto, they, they're also a team that's really, really into a guy like uh, a guy like Scotty Barnes. A lot, of, a lot of news have been pushing the idea that they might draft him at four. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a good chance he could break into the top four. I think anyone who's getting him, if anyone's getting him outside of the top four, they're gonna get tremendous value for their pick. That's that's one thing that I, that I will say. If he, because I think a lot of boards still have him around around the five or six mark. So any team that's a, that that's able to get him outside of the top four, they're they they've done really well in this draft. They've 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 succeeded uh, already. For me, I, I want I'd like to see, in terms of fit, the way I'm looking at it, I'm thinking I'd like to see Suggs go to Toronto and Green go to the Magic. Because I think Green... Man, if Green falls to the magic, but, that would fucking kill me. But he is still quite a raw player. He had a tough... Yeah. The G League was a disaster last year. He really didn't have a, that, a, a good a chance. It was, it ultimately didn't work out. It sounded like a good idea when he when he forgot college and, and started to join the, the G League. But it really didn't work out uh, last season. So... He's going to struggle for like kind of have an impact on winning. I think Suggs is a better fit in Toronto. And the lack of passing is, is going to, is, is something that's, that he's going to need to work on. I think the magic would be a great place for him to do that. I know they've got other guards and that, but I think if he could come in, he, he would instantly just get, put the ball in his hands and let him develop his game. And I think that's, that's kind of the area that 
that Jalen Green needs to to really mm. reach his ceiling in this league. I don't know. I I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that because I'll I'll just I'll just put it this way. You know who was the leading assist man for the Magic this season? Name him. Just just try try and think about it. I'll I'll let you take a guess. Yeah, no. Who was that? Who who actually played for them this year? It's probably probably. Ended up being- <laughs> that's a, that's the first the first question, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you, Dwayne Bacon was it one point three assists. He was a leading he was a leading playmaker for the Magic this year. You think that a guy like Jalen Green is going to develop on a team that has zero chemistry, zero playmaking, has no idea where they're going right now? I'm scared for a guy like Green who. I mean, I think he's a fantastic talent. I think that he's going to make it as an all-star, but I think he's definitely the type of player who needs mentorship. He needs a system and he needs playmaking around him. Um, That's fair, yeah. He's going to be the kind of guy that I think will start slow. He's going to be an inefficient scorer. He's going to be a non-impact defender. He's going to be a very raw playmaker. He's going to get a lot of turnovers early. And in a place like the Magic, where you got guys like Cole Anthony trying to figure it out, Markel Fultz trying to get his his career back together. Then you got Jonathan Isaac, who's going to be coming off an energy, uh, injury, trying to make things happen. Wendell Carter doesn't even – I mean, he's he's got talent, but he doesn't know where he's fitting in right now. There's just a lot of variables in that team. It's going to be um, – it's going to take a miracle for them to figure things out. And there's, there's going to be some collateral damage in terms of young talent that's going to get wasted there. And Jalen Green said he has a chance to be an elite scorer. He has, uh, and who knows where he goes beyond that. But on the Magic, that would be a scary fit. So whoever gets picked here at five, I mean, beware of what, what their production is going to look like early on. Um, so, I mean, if the odds on favorite right now is if it's Scotty Barnes, I, I love I love him as a prospect, but think about him in, in the Magic right now. I mean, what are they going to do with Isaac? How, how are they going to play on the floor together? There's going to be no spacing there. How, how is he going to play with Wendell Carter Jr.? Um, I mean, that team has a lot to figure out, and they're, they sure are good at shipping out talent and letting them develop elsewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised for whoever they ship off if they all of a sudden blossom. No, honestly, let's hope that happens because – I'm gonna feel. I'm gonna feel real Send bad. To the Knicks. I'm gonna feel Send real to bad for, for Byron Suggs or Green. If if any of them end, end up in, in Orlando, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be disappointed because I think uh, they're they're guys with a lot of talent, and the Magic unfortunately just are in such a mess right now. It's gonna be so hard for them to really, really begin to develop in their in the in their rookie seasons. I saw Jalen so- Jalen Suggs today. He he was there. Uh, he was getting that that Michael Michael Jordan. Uh, I took that personally element into his. In, he's got that in his game when he came out and said that any any team that that passes on him, it'll be to their detriment. <laughs> he said, "I'm not going to be angry, but I'm not going to forget it." Look, man. One thing about Suggs is, and he knew this when he went to Gonzaga. He wanted to go to a winning program, and he was still a leader, and he was still a very productive player for Gonzaga, but. You know, he wasn't he wasn't like the star of the show like some of these other guys are. Yeah. And you don't know how far Suggs will go because we're we're looking at him, and this is what we have to do for a lot of prospects. I mean, look at how Devin Booker turned out. 
look at how guys who are in systems where they're not necessarily the the NCAA star that we know of your your Jason Tatum's and your your Zions and all that. I think that he has not got enough hype for a guy with his elite athleticism. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he he has the potential to be an elite elite point guard and where else do you find guys at six five who's going to defend the way he does and be a floor general like he is already i mean he's going to have an impact on the defensive end of the floor as a as a 20 year old rookie and if the raptors hang on to that pick and get him i we've gone on and on about how awesome of a fit that's going to be for the raptors culture i mean him and fred van Vliet right there and, and pascal siakam which who, by the way I don't know if you heard these interesting rumblings about Siakam being unhappy in Toronto, but if there is if there is a time to to kind of revamp your team, I'm 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 not opposed to them moving on from him. If if there's a team that's that's willing to buy into a guy like Siakam, say the Warriors, mm-hmm. say, say say a team like like that who's who's looking to to get a younger guy, but who's going to be impactful. Say, I mean, the, the Thunder, if they're trying to fast forward a little bit, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure where, where this noise is going. We're a little off topic there, but in, in terms of moves that can happen, um, I'm not going to be entirely shocked if, if Siakam's name gets floated, just given the little bit of smoke that we've been hearing. Yeah, definitely. All I'll say is in terms of Toronto, who currently have the number four pick, being able to draft either Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs would be absolutely ideal, given that they're probably most likely about to lose Kyle Lowry, who's just been such a stalwart of the of the Raptors franchise over over the last what's it been now? Probably close to a decade at this stage, is it? Is it even it's insane. Long? I mean, you, we, it feels like yesterday he was he was just starting to heat up in Houston, and then his career took off in Toronto, but. Um, I definitely, definitely want to to get to Lowry maybe at, at the end of this year. But guys like him are really going to be interested to see where they go in free agency. But let, let's let's take this let's take this up a notch. When we get to six here, when we get to the o- Oklahoma City Thunder, this is where things get really interesting. And a name that I that's been on my mind a lot has been Nasir Little. You remember that in the green room? Pick one, pick two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way to the first round. And Nasir Little last year was sitting there getting drafted in the second round. I mean, it was, it was insane to watch that. And I'm not saying that Kaminga is going to drop that far, but for a guy who was maybe looked at as top three, definitely top five. Okay. He's definitely top six. He's starting to fall here and and there's not a lot of traction. You don't talk, you don't hear any noise about him being a intriguing prospect. It's all, it's all about how raw he's been. And I I wonder if, if this is the effect of, of guys who have that elite athleticism, but they're ranked too high early on that that it's almost like they, they go from being, you're intrigued by their talent and then you watch them too much and there's too much scrutiny on them. And then you're like, okay, I, I'm just going to decide what, what they are. I, I think it's a lot of early decisions on, on Kaminga being too raw and too many question marks about his jumper, even though he's literally 18 years old, he's one of the youngest players in this draft. Yeah. It's a, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. 
I think he's gonna I, I, he's gonna go top ten, no, no doubt about that. But I don't think he's gonna go at the six. I don't think it, it's the right fit in in OKC. I know they're willing to 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 work on developing guys, but there's there's already they've already got a group of guys that they're trying to develop, and just adding another another raw piece to that. I don't think that, that it, it it would just end up without anyone really developing into the best player that they can be. I mean, this is guy's got serious two-way capabilities, unbelievable athleticism, his rim finishing is very impressive, but he's a raw talent. He needs time to develop into, into his body in general, still only 18, and, and into uh, a proper player who can be a, a, a key contributor on a team. So... I think you're right. I don't think he's going to go at six. I've got uh, James Bouknight going at, at the six. I think Kaminga is more likely to go to to maybe eight and the Orlando Magic, although I have heard that if the Warriors are going to keep their pick, they do They do like the look of Kaminga. I, I, man, I, I don't buy that at all. I, I've, I've, see, I've seen those about Kaminga to the Warriors. Um, I, I don't know if that's smoke at all, but but here's my thing. You said that you don't think he's going to fall out of the top 10. I wouldn't bet that he will. But listen, I'm not going to be surprised because I'll put it to you this way. Magic at Barnes, we already talked about their front court logjam. You do have to draft your talent, but there's a certain point where you're – and the Magic have done this a million times over, and they have to know by now that when they do – when they get positional logjams, then they can't develop their talent, and then it's wasted assets. I don't think that they're going to draft both Scotty Barnes and Kaminga in the same draft. Mm. So at six, if the Thunder take book night, I do not think that the Warriors already going through the Wiseman uh, experiment for that first year. And hopefully he comes back a much, much more honed player next year. And I think he will. He's a talented guy. It'll be a pick and roll. But that, and that's it. That's all he needs to do next year. That's play, it. Literally, step, watch watch what Aiden did. Watch yeah. what Aiton did and replicate 70% of that and you'll be mm-hmm. good. But I don't think they're taking Kaminga, a guy who when faced with NBA pick and roll defense or offense, just did not, he demonstrated he did not have a field to play defense there. And that is something they really need to get back to. One of the biggest deficits that the Warriors faced is how bad their defense had gotten. Mm. I, I think they're much more likely to take a guy like Moses Moody. Yeah, a, a guy who is definitely going to be an impact defender immediately and be able to shoot a corner three, yeah. which is something that they desperately needed and did not get out of Kelly Oubre all the season long. At eight, like I said, if the Magic don't take, if the Magic take Barnes, I, I don't know if they're going to double up on wings here and, and take Kaminga because there's there's question marks. There's question yeah. marks. They need then the Kings, are they ready to start another project when they're – future is entirely murky same thing with the grizzlies i'm, I'm not sure. i mean the grizzlies are looking to to find guys who are ready to help moran now and there's a lot of older more certain picks like your davion mitchells who are going to help out and fit in the grizzlies i mean he could fall out of the top 10 here it's not impossible that there's a lot of scenarios where it could happen yeah yeah, I think uh, it's just kind of the question, I guess, how how safe uh, some of the teams outside the top five want to play it. If they want, I know 
Kaminga is a bit of a, a risk, but only in the sense really that it's going to take that that extra bit of time to develop him into an NBA player. But at the same time, people still got a lot of belief in his potential. So at the same time, if you took a guy like him, I don't think there'd be too much questions asked really. Yeah. I mean, he could be that guy who look at um, who we're talking about when it comes to Michael Porter Jr., he fell real far, fell real far. And Kaminga could be that guy. He falls far because of these question marks about his, his shooting. But all it takes, I, I think, for him is he's going to need really good coach. He's going to need, absolutely need a system that's going to train him up to be a good defender and to be a smarter shooter. I mean, that his, his shot selection in the G League was atrocious. And his shooting, for a guy who, who, has, who has a repertoire as being a shot maker, I mean, his shooting is very questionable. So I, I think a lot, of, a lot of teams here are questioning the fit and are questioning not just like how long it's going to take, but he could be that guy that you're investing so long in. And you know who he reminds me of a lot? Josh Jackson. Mm. He reminds me of a Josh Jackson. And I think that's, that's the fear that he's yeah. going to be that kind of guy. Yeah, I think it's it's fair enough to to have that worry. I think maybe an interesting one, maybe if he does fall outside the top ten, if he were to go maybe to the Spurs or the Pacers, I think that that could be mm-hmm. that could give him a, a decent opportunity to to get into a good system, work under great coaches, and and maybe develop into the player that I guess we thought he was going to be maybe even a couple of months back. Yeah, a couple interesting picks near the tail end here is the Kings. And now the Grizzlies, now that they're in the top 10. I don't, you know, I, I try to do this thought exercise of, of where the Kings are going to go. And every year, any month, any particular time, I just can't really think of what their next move is going to be here. I mean, they lucked into to the draft uh, where they drafted last year. And they could luck into a guy like Kaminga here if they decide on another project. But it's it's tough to think about what they want to do with this pick. And they've been in the longest drought now in the NBA, making it to the playoffs. But not sure if this pick's going to change that unless they decide to trade it. Yeah, I'm looking at I I was looking at Sengun uh, mm. here, uh, MVP in Turkey. The guy's got some serious. He got he's got a lot of upside. Uh, uh, the problem is the Kings defense is their their major problem and this guy wouldn't you can't say he'd come in and bring them great bring them up a level on on defense unfortunately but mvp in turkey he's only 19 years old that that doesn't happen too often so this guy's clearly got clearly got ability so if you're the kings i think alfred sangoon is a guy that you're really going to consider drafting here that means the Kings are going to be the interesting team in the offseason then, not just because of this pick, but if that is the pick there, Sengun, or Shengun, we should start saying that. That's that's how it's said. Um, and, and to his credit, 19 years old, in the second, arguably the second hardest uh, league in the world outside of, uh, outside of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get that without being a stud. Luka Doncic was an MVP of, of EuroLeague for a reason at 19 years old. Um, if he's going to the Kings, 
we have to start thinking about where Bagley is going to fit in the NBA. Like where, where is he going to go? What, what, what's, what's going to be his role? Mm, yeah. I think his that, name keeps coming up. Yeah. I'm keep, I keep on seeing that, that the Kings are kind of almost desperate at this stage to, to find a new home for, for healed and, uh, and Marvin Bagley, because I think they're, they're, they believe that Fox and Halliburton are the future of this franchise. And to get in the right players around them, they're going to have to get rid of uh, uh, Heald, Heald and Bagley. So, yeah, it's it's so hard. It's so hard to kind of think where the, where they could go or what what way should should Sacramento be targeting players. It's it's just a weird situation in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, and one one thing that that. I really remember that will never exit my mind is that when asked to defend the pick of, of Bagley, uh, the owner, I, I forget his name now, but, but the Kings owner mentioned that he invoked the names Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant when thinking about the pairing of De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Now you can't say something like that in public and, and not, and not try and build around that. And I, I will say that, Although it'll be sunk cost to think that that pairing is going to become as elite as as that. Marvin Bagley has shown moments, and I think that he is the type of player that is going to take a while to develop. And I think, you know, it's this number one, his body, getting a three-point shot down and, and finding out how to score um when he does when he's not just the star of the show. I, I think he's he struggled to be a pick and roll man at times, but when he does fully buy into um, his role as a, as a roller, and if he can get better at, at the pick and pop, I mean, he could be really exciting there. Mm-hmm. And if you think that he could make a jump next year, you don't draft a guy like Shengun. You, you got, you, I think here, the reason why it's important to me is if you can be patient as the Kings and you can invest in your core there, maybe you got to move off of Heald, maybe you got to move off of Barnes, but if you believe in that core three, there are some guys here, especially some young players. If you have Moody fall to you, if you, I don't know, you even think about um, players like Kispert, um, players like Davion Mitchell, um, impact defenders, three-point shooters, guys who are going to be able to fit around this core three. I hope that this is the time where the, the Kings, you know, can be patient and really invest in their core the right way. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's about time the fact that they've got the main star I think that they believe in Fox they've got a guy that they can build around and they've got a few core players this is this is the time this is the chance they've been waiting for can they be intelligent as an organization and build around that and then hopefully within maybe a season or two they're back challenging there to get into the playoffs again, it's certainly possible if they play their cards right and they and they work this uh, work this in the way that they can afford to at, at this time. What do we think about ten? Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, they're they're playing with house money here. Maybe they they want to use this to to get a veteran to improve this core here because they have so many young players on the team who can play. Mm. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of projects. They have young players who have established themselves as good NBA players. Do they draft another young guy? Yeah, that was my first thing. And I was kind of, I was kind of uh, torn here. I was looking at Davion Mitchell, but then at the same time, I'd be thinking if they were to draft him, 
you'd have to think he'd be coming off the bench uh, uh, for Ja rather than the two of them playing together in the backcourt. Then I was looking at uh, at Zaire Williams because he got he wings. He, he could become a serious three and D three uh, and D player, which is something that. Uh, the, the Grizzlies need uh, around Jamarant, but at the same time, he's a raw talent. He's gonna need he's gonna need some time. So, I think they'll be looking if they are gonna draft here. I think they'll be looking for a wing with potential on defense and the ability to to score the basketball. Zaire, that that would be. I I won't blame you if if they're picking that. I mean, how many other top 10 picks are they going to get given the, their current trajectory? But picks like that, again, there, there's a lot of guys here who could jump up and surprise people. Um, I, I don't know if that's a move. In my mind, if, if they're looking for, for scoring, I, I think that the best pick that Memphis can get here is getting guys like France Wagner, getting guys mm. like Corey Kispert, um, even even Chris Duarte, I think having a running mate in the backcourt like Chris Chris Duarte, um, that that'll be huge on the defensive end and three point shooting that they didn't have a consistent source of. They they need they need shooting here. They do need scoring, but I think got to think hard about how are you going to develop this team around John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. This is probably your last shot at like a really good role player and picking at 10 i mean you, you have the chance there taking a reach on a guy like uh zaire is interesting to me i'm just not i'm just not sure if they're going to be able to wait i mean they're knocking on the door of the playoffs they're, yeah. they're they were right there yeah, that's the only problem um, there yeah i i think they're really motivated to to jumpstart this as are the pelicans as are i'm sure the kings and you know the west doesn't sleep in terms of trying to get into the playoffs and I, I'd be really interested to see a fit like like Corey Kisper, but the Hornets. I mean, there there's a lot of talk about getting him there at eleven. Um, they they also are another team. A lot of young guys really getting close to towards getting into the playoffs. Um, I'm really not going to be surprised if if they if these picks are for for the taking. If you can, if you if you got a guy, if you're like the the Bulls and you want another swing at a young player. And you got a very good role player in someone like Thad Young, you know that that's that's a deal that I think can be had. I mean, teams like the Grizzlies who have a lot of young players already, the Hornets who are already developing young players, the Kings who have their issues with trying to figure out their young core. It's tough. It's a it's a tough situation. They got to be prepared, obviously, that 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 the right deal doesn't come about, but at the same time. Especially, I think the Grizzlies. I think they're probably the closest to to being uh, a playoff contender. They gotta they gotta be prepared, and I think uh, you mentioned Duarte. I think he he'd be he'd be a good fit in there. Uh, he'd be a good fit in in Memphis. I was just hoping that he would uh, he would fall, and the Knicks might get a chance of getting him. Because no way, he's not going past the Warriors. I don't think he's going past the Warriors. Mm, yeah, maybe not. But 14. I think. Franz Wagner is another another good one. He he he's a guy that can provide defense. Doesn't have the most consistent scoring, but he is more than capable of uh, of hitting uh, uh, spot up threes. So 
that's a that's a big bonus uh, for the for the Grizzlies team. But yeah, I think they'll be looking right up until the last second to to maybe find a trade for a more experienced NBA player. I'm I'm curious what the Spurs are gonna do here at twelve. They they've had a young core that's been simmering for the past few years. Um and not surprising, but they haven't really turned out to be anything just yet. But you mentioned Shangun earlier on. But if he falls here, I can't think of a better place to be coached up than in the Spurs organization. I mean, that half-court, slow-plotting um, strategy from Popovich, he's going to have – if Shangun is there, he's going to absolutely have the chance to play a lot of inside-out and to play in the low post kind of the same way that he was successful in Turkey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a real interesting fit if uh, if he is to fall, and, and it's very likely that he that he could fall that low. I think I had uh, Keon Johnson going here. That that's interesting for me too. Do yeah. they do they reach and and try and get a project? There's a lot of project guys you could quote unquote reach for, but mm. they they're a team that definitely has time. I don't see them making the playoffs next year. No, it's not like they have that 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 standout star when you look maybe at the Grizzlies or the Kings, they don't have that guy that they know, yeah, we can build around this guy. They're kind of still all fairly raw talents. None of them have really stepped up to show what the Spurs maybe thought they would have had at this stage. So a guy like Keon Johnson would be really fun. He's kind of a high flyer, athletic kind of guy. He's got serious defensive potential, but unfortunately he kind of lacks a bit of an identity and he's going to need time to develop into this league and, be no better place to do it than under under Greg Popovich with the Spurs. Yeah, feel. I think we we really undervalue feel. This is one thing that that it takes a while for players to figure out how to play. But how much of understanding how to play the best the game of basketball is innate? So for a guy like Keon Johnson, who a lot of scouts literally say like he just does not know how to play basketball. He's a he's an electric athlete, but he does not know how to play basketball the right way. How much of that is going to scare off teams like the Spurs who really value high IQ guys, guys who, yeah. who, who know how to fit into a system. Um, that, that'll be the interesting point for me. And, and same thing uh, for Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Same thing for Cam Thomas, three, three guys that, you know, they're, they're looking to be drafted in the twenties as high upside picks. Maybe some teams in, in the teens here convince themselves, but there's just a lot of, this is an interesting draft where there's a lot of really steady uh, high floor players like your Davion Mitchells, your Chris Duarte, who's 24 years old. I mean, he's, 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 he's the same age as Devin Booker right now. Got, and I think a lot of, a lot of teams are looking here in the teens to draft for fit draft for um, production rather than taking swings but someone convinces themselves that they can figure it out for them. And that this is all going to be based on workouts and interviews. You don't know who's going to click, but um, uh, another team here, 13 Pacers could get a guy like Mitchell could get a guy like Duarte or they could end up trading it. I'm hearing, a, I'm hearing some noise about them trading and another team that's been linked to them just recently, for the third consecutive offseason, this is the Boston Celtics looking to snag, you know who, Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if any of that's going to be involved there, but that's certainly something that could be a dynamic with, with the Pacers picking 13th and Celtics. Maybe they want to get into the draft. Yeah, maybe. Um, kind of an interesting one with, 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 uh, with Indiana. It's kind of, you kind of guess you take a look and see what the new coach wants. How does he, how does he view, uh, this team, how does he view um, Miles Turner? Obviously, he has a huge impact on this Indiana team, uh, led the league in blocks last year, but at the same time, he struggles a lot with injuries. Is it better for them maybe to, to move on from him and, and build the team another way? You're going to have Karis LeVert back from the start of the season next year. Sabonis was your star man last year. Is is this time for to, to, to go in a new direction and is the best way to do that? Maybe by trading away uh, this pick and Turner, maybe that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah, the, the fit long term is what's going to be interesting to think about. Is they have a good team here with Sabonis and Turner, but a lot of noise is talked about them not being a good long term fit and and whatever they want to do with this new system. You could keep that. You could draft Davion Mitchell. Yeah. He's going to be a great way to plug in if you lose McConnell in the offseason. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I re- I'm really curious to see how they, they build this team out. I'm, I think that the Pacers could be a sleeper team, and I'm, I've been saying that since, since they, they've been gearing up this offseason, that they, if they use these picks correctly and if they can get their team back, I think that they're going to be a contender in the East. And like I said, there's a lot of guys here who can really contribute. Mitchell, Butler – Duarte, um, but you know, we're not going to go all the way down here in, in the first round. I think there's just too much noise at this point to really project out that far. A lot of, you can go online and, and see a lot of guys do it, but um, I just want to highlight a few interesting guys that start to fall outside the, the top 15, outside the top 20. Um, and one guy that I absolutely love so far after doing some scouting here is Usman Garuba. And he's been linked to the Knicks, and it's undeniable that Tom Thibodeau would absolutely love this player. I mean, he's talk about defensive talent. If it's Scotty Barnes, I, I'd agree with you. But if, if you told me Usman Garuba came out of this draft and he's the best defender in this in this draft, mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't doubt it for a second. Yeah. I mean, this guy's can talk about one through five. He can easily defend one through five. He looks like he can be a small ball center. He looks like he can be almost a Draymond Green type of player in the way that he can pass off the pick and roll and the way that he's been improving his corner three, three point shot. I think if, if the Knicks got him, that's, that's a huge steal. The way that oh, he'll yeah. play for Tibbs. Yeah. 100%. I think Tibbs would love to get a guy of, of his ilk. And I think it would be a big steal. I think uh, we, we for our first pick is at 19. Um, a little bit surprised if he goes that deep. I could, you could kind of even see him breaking into kind of the ten to fifteen realm as well. That yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't be crazy. But yeah, if we could get a guy like that, it it would be huge. Uh, the defensive upside and the the type of uh, team that Coach Tibbs is trying to build in New York, I think that would be. Obviously, we'd rather trade the picks away and, and get kind of a, a, a an experienced NBA player. But if we're if we're using these picks, we got to use them right, and he'd be a great fit in New York. You said 10 through 15, and I don't doubt that. 
And that makes me want to rewind here for a second and think about who the Warriors are getting. Because when I watch them, I, like I said, I think that Draymond Green role, that, that, that hard roller, that passer, that switchable defender, that guy, I mean, he already has elite pick and roll defense. And what's interesting is that when you watch him interview about it, he just, he, he has no answers about like why he does what he does. It's just pure instinct. And for him to be in a system coached up by Draymond Green, in the warrior system if if they invested in in guys like him and moses moody i i I think that'd be awesome i'm actually excited to see if they can as it seems like they're not going to be able to get a huge deal done what they can do to invest in their current team i don't know if you have any favorites here for the warriors who they want should come out with here no i think that would be that'd be an interesting element there's a lot of talk now that unfortunately for the warriors they just don't have enough talent in their team to get a big deal done without trading one of the splash bros or, or Draymond, even with, even with the picks that they've got this year. And this is likely going to be one of the last years this team is in anywhere close to around the lottery. So if they're smart, they will look to get some players that will sustain this franchise after the likes of, of Curry and Thompson and Green are, are all gone. And if they got a pair like, like Moody or, or if a, uh, if Bout Knight was to fall there and, and then a, a defensive talent then like that, it, it would be really just smart work by this franchise to be able to to not have to go into another slump after they lose uh, the core of this dynasty, but instead be right there as a perennial playoff team with, with uh, these young stars coming into their prime after the goals, those guys are gone. That would be, that'd be just genius work by this Golden State franchise, and as they've shown over the last uh, the last decade or so, they're pretty shrewd operators. Let me tell you what you mentioned that name a couple times now, and I realize I'm not the chance to to talk about it. But James Booknight, 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 pretty sure it's Booknight. <laughs> this guy, if you haven't seen the tape on him yet, people, go take a look. He will shock you that if you just watch his pure scoring talent that he's not being mentioned in the same elk of Jalen Green. Now, Jalen Green definitely comes from a, a more elite pedigree when you look at his high school success. But James Booknight is a bucket. The way these two play, I, I see so many similar, similarities in the way that Booknight is able to score through contact. The way his step back three, I mean, his footwork and his release, they look NBA ready. Um, there's some question marks on it, it translating to the NBA, but when you have score a scoring mentality like that, is his coast to coast speed. Um, I I you want to talk about Zach Levine comparisons when you watch Jalen Green? I absolutely see Zach Levine comparisons when I see James Booknight. If he goes to the the Thunder, if he goes to the the Warriors, I mean, these are these are guys who who I think in the right system there's gonna pop. Mm-hmm. He could he could easily be a 18 point per game scorer within a couple of years. Yeah, 100 percent And I think he he provides even good scoring straight off the bat, uh, off the bench uh, in Golden State. I think not gonna do anything amazing in his rookie year, but he would definitely bridge the gap a little bit. I think they they showed last year that they're scoring out they like Steph, I think wasn't far off leading the league in minutes, really. So if they were able to get a guy like Booknight to come in. And just provide that little bit of scoring off the bench. I think that will be 
so huge for this Golden State team and their ambitions to to build towards being at the elite level again. So I want to go back to the next for a sec. Who's on your uh, Who's on your absolute highest list? Like if, if the Knicks can do anything in this draft, what are they doing with those picks? If they're not trading, I'm looking at guys. Like you said, I, I think that we'll be lucky to if uh, Duarte is still on the board then. But I'm looking at a guy like him or maybe a guy even like Jared Butler. I think they could be interesting fits. I, I just like the look of them. I mean, with Butler, scores off the dribble. He's got good playmaking, good ball handling. He's he's only 20 years old, so still a young guy. Does lack a bit of defense, and you can kind of see, you, you can see it sometimes even in some of the highlights you see, he hasn't got the greatest decision-making. But I think this guy is is a talent that could develop into a really solid NBA player. And then a guy like Duarte, knockdown scorer. This guy will space the floor big time. He'll provide an immediate impact. Might struggle a little bit on defense, but in the system that we're playing in New York, I think Coach Davis will find a way for him to fill a role on defense. And he'll provide some in- instant impact scoring that we really need. I'm shocked. I mean, I was half expecting you to propose a trade for Zion Williamson, but I'm glad to see you've come down to earth a little bit here and come up with some <laughs> realistic Knicks proposals here. No, we'll wait till but, we'll wait till Zion's uh, contract runs out, and then we'll then we'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> but man, the the New Orleans Pelicans—that's a team we absolutely need to look at in this offseason. I definitely want to talk about it more in, in our next episode when we start talking about some of these uh, restrictive free agents and the free agent market as a whole. But teams like the Pelicans are on a really, really tight schedule to get things turned around. The Bulls as well. Um, a lot of teams here got to figure it out. And just to give a little teaser of, of who we're, what we're going to have to address over the next week, this is the highlights of the restrictive free agent frenzy that's going to happen. And this might be one of those years where you almost never see this, but restricted free agents leaving their team. You don't, you almost never see that. And I can't remember the last time that, I mean, except for um, Bogdanovich going to the, the Hawks, but I, I can't remember the last time that restricted free agent signed and just left. But you got Gary Trent Jr., Lonzo Ball, Lowry Markinen, John Collins, Bruce Brown, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, Jared Allen, Taylor Horton Tucker, who some reports have said that GMs would be willing to max him to steal him from the Lakers, which would be around, I think something around 20 million for, for his, for his, uh, con- for his contract. Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Jared Vanderbilt, who's coming off. I mean, people are giving him Jonathan Isaac uh, comparisons. If a lot of scouts, you know, he, he's not had the huge, huge name that um, some of these other guys like Siakam and, and uh, Jonathan Isaac has had, but he's in that same elk. He's up right now. He could get stolen from the from the Timberwolves as they try to figure some things out this offseason. Zach Collins, he's an intriguing player. He, he's not been able to stay healthy, but so many guys here that have careers to reclaim and a lot of question marks on their fit and their current team. A lot of these guys, I'd say, I wouldn't be surprised if over half of these players are no longer with their team next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think the the Pelicans have almost already made it clear that that they want Kyle Lowry to be their mm-hmm. new point guard. They 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 mm-hmm. they're done with Lonzo. 
So that that's one big that's one big one already, and I think there's going to be a lot more to come, and it's going to be uh, going to be fun to 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 analyze that uh, on the next episode and just watch what happens over the summer after we finish with the draft on Thursday. Yeah, a lot of this stuff might have already happened by draft night. That that's a funny thing. Yeah. We're going to be reacting to this uh, the the day after the draft, hopefully, and a lot of these trades might already go down on Thursday night. A lot of sign and trades. This might be the, the season you might see the most amount of sign and trades that you've ever seen in any other offseason. Could be this could be the the summer. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. Maybe not any of the maybe not any major blockbuster moves, but some pretty important moves and some pretty move and some moves that are gonna really shake up franchises and hopefully get them uh, get them on the right track, especially New Orleans, as you mentioned. Hey, don't don't rule out Bradley Beal. There's still a couple days left for that. You don't know where that's going. And I'm telling you, man, the 70, the more I think about it, the more little whispers I hear, the 76ers could have themselves a deal. If Ben said no one else is going to beat that. And think take a couple of days to, to see if you can beat that. Just think of anything. No one else is going to beat a deal with Ben Simmons, especially if there's picks and like a maxi attached to that. I I I'm starting to lean towards that might be the deal to be had if the Wizards have to get off of him before draft night. No doubt about it. It'd be it'd be a great deal. Maybe not uh maybe not the best fit for for Ben, but I think Philly got to be smart here. They're they're playing to win now and Radley Beal would be uh would be a real cool fit beside Joel Embiid. Well, Ronan, it's been an awesome hour breaking down the top 15, top 20. Lots going to happen this draft night. Couldn't be more excited. Happy draft week to you. Happy draft week to everybody else. May the odds ever be in your favor. I hope the Knicks figure out a way to get Kawhi, to get Paul George for their 19th and 21st pick. Um, <laughs> I, I have full faith that it's going to happen. But at any rate, we'll see you on Friday. Take care. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment